Thank you so much, Pastor James, for that amazing introduction. And uh, <laughs> I've been here so much, uh, it's kind of just like family. So, uh, so wonderful. And I'm glad, to, um, you know, like the other thing is too, normally as a preacher, when you speak somewhere uh, for the first time or a couple of times, you have a set of introductions you would do to do a thing called breaking the noise, which is basically kind of introduce yourself to them. But usually I've got about five, but then after that I run out. So I'd actually run out for this morning as well. So... I've actually got no introductions to kind of build a bridge with you this morning. So I'm just hoping that uh, as family, it's naturally going to happen. And uh, that's a good introduction right there. You notice what I did there? Awesome. So uh, so it's wonderful to be here and uh, such a great thrill as always uh, to come and uh, be in this region, to minister at the churches here and to share at the district meetings. So thank you so much, uh, James and uh, Michelle. You know, actually one of the great things as well is that by going somewhere regularly, you get to see what God is doing over time. And it's really awesome. And I remember the first district meeting I spoke at, probably about six years ago, uh, something like that. And what the and there's just such a greater level of unity, uh, such a greater level of buy-in, and it's such a nice region to actually come and visit. Uh, you know, a lot of regions, when you go and visit, you can smell the politics in the air. and uh, But that is not like that here, praise God. And so, and I just so want to honour James and Michelle for the region that uh, they run. And also, too, um, I, just, a, just as a note as well, I really know as well how awesome the praise and worship in the churches in this region is becoming, like, like a significant lift uh, that is happening. And I believe that that too is probably one of the reasons why God is doing great things uh, amongst here, because when you lift him up, he draws people to him and, and his presence. So it's just wonderful. So thank you so much for turning up today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So great to see you all. Going to do two sessions uh, with you today. So the first one is going to be kind of um, prophetic. Uh, and the second one's going to be very practical, okay? And so that's the way we're kind of going to roll. Um, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, as you're turning there, as you would know, wherever I travel, take some resource with me. Uh, I've got a number of items here. Uh, I've got one item that I haven't brought here before, and it's from Extreme Youth Conference, their latest uh, recording uh, called Legacy. And so, uh, and so this is just five bucks, a couple of tracks on there. This will be a great blessing to the youth in your church, to people in your church and that sort of thing. The conference is really well known for praise and worship in the presence of God. So if you're interested, feel free to check that out. And got a number of other items there that you might be interested in as well. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 21 says this. Do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 11, says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you'd touch every life today. I thank and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just the other week, I was lecturing at a Bible college in Brisbane, Youth Alive Academy, and I was doing the second year ethics intensive. So what that means is they did ethics in first year. And so really, ethics in second year is something that you build, up, build upon. And so I started lecturing some things uh, as a recap and a review of what they had done the year before. As I was sharing that, I said, so you would have talked about this last year, you would have done this last year. And they looked at me completely blankly. 
And the reason was because, yes, they were taught it the year before, but they had actually forgotten. Because what we need in our life very often is not always to hear something new. We actually always, sometimes we need to be reminded and have revision in order to truly grasp something. Reason why I say that is because today I'm going to talk to you about things that you probably already know. Talk to you about some things that are things that you've probably heard before. But the reality is there are just times in our life where we need some revision, where there are some things we need to relearn in order for God to continue to delve something deep into our heart. So I want to talk to you today out of this letter of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is uh, my favourite letter in the whole Bible, written by the Apostle Paul. But if you read commentaries, there are a number of commentators that don't believe that the Apostle Paul wrote it reason why they don't believe that he wrote it is because his writing is quite different from a number of his other letters. And so they assume because of the style of writing, it must have been someone different who wrote it. And, the style, and so because the style was different, it must have been a different author. However, recent studies would suggest that, the reason, that there is actually a reason why the letter of Ephesians is different from a number of his other writings. And that is, be, that is because he bases it on a thing called a call to arms letter that the Romans would write when they were sending their people to war. So basically, when the Romans were going to war, they would send a letter out to the different towns and communities about, and they would send a letter out basically letting them know that as a nation, we're preparing to go to war. And it was always based around the same template. In the same way, the Apostle Paul writes Ephesians according to that same template. He writes it in the same kind of style. And so when this was read out to the, um, the church in Ephesus, it would have been the same effect as me standing up here today with a, uh, you know, a top hat with an American flag on it and a beard pointing at you saying, Uncle Sam needs you. You would have interpreted it to mean, wow, he's actually giving us imagery and typology about like, you know, going to war. That is why it says in Ephesians chapter 6 at the end of it, Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the full armour of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He essentially writes Ephesians to prepare God's people to go to war. Not natural war, not a physical war, but a spiritual war. He's basically giving the impression that the church is supposed to be like an army, an advancing force, a territory-taking force. God has called, not called us to be a weak and insipid little group sitting in a corner waiting for Jesus to return, singing Kumbaya. He's called us to be an advancing army to take territory for the Kingdom of God. And here in Ephesians then, every topic he discusses, is something that is necessary for every single one of us and for churches to have in our lives and in our culture if we're going to have an advancing arm, if we're going to be an advancing territory-taking force. Every topic he covers is necessary for us to have an advancing life and for the Kingdom of God to advance as well. And so he covers a number of different topics in there that is important for us. One of the topics he covers in the first half is knowing our identity in Christ. So what that means is that we need to know who we are if we're going to see God use us mightily in our community. You know, I know a lot of Christians who know that think God is great, but think they're nothing. Well, that's not good enough. We need to know who we are, have a confidence and assurance in our identity in Christ if we're going to have an advancing uh, kingdom. He also talks about our conduct, the way we're supposed to behave if we're going to be advancing. He also talks about, um, you know, the armour of God and he talks about relationship structures and that sort of thing. But here in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 and 21, he touches on another topic. And he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. So what that means is this. If we're going to be an advancing army, if we're going to be a kingdom that keeps moving forward, we need to be filled by the Spirit of God. Now it says there in Ephesians 5.18, he says, um, be filled with the Spirit. 
But more accurately translated is be filled by the Spirit. Not only that, it means continually be filled by the Spirit. It's not a one-time event or a one-time thing. We are to be continually filled by the Spirit of God. What does He fill us with? He fills us with life. He fills us with strength. He fills us with joy. He fills us with hope. He fills us with the emotional fuel that we need to keep advancing. You might have the greatest car in the entire world, but if you never fill it up at any point, eventually it's going to stop. In the same way as pastors and as leaders, if we're going to lead advancing ministries, we need to be continually filled by the Spirit of God or else we are going to stop. And so I want to talk to you today about five habits of healthy pastors. Five habits, five things that we need to have in our life. And I'm sure you've heard of every single one of these. But five things that we need to have in our life if we're going to have an advancing life, an advancing ministry and an advancing church. Some of you are like, well, how do I know what they are? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the Apostle Paul after this actually tells us what we need to do if we're going to live a life continually filled by the Spirit of God. The first thing he says is this. He says, don't be drunk. Uh, It was funny. I just went up to this and I started scrolling on a piece of paper. (laughs) Just like, this is so weird. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Anyway, back to what I was saying. (laughs) That's the sixth habit. He says in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking. The first key to living a life filled by the Spirit of God is number one, have a positive confession. Positive confession. The way we talk actually determines the way we can help draw down on the Spirit of God. In fact, if we speak uh, continually speak negativity, doubt and unbelief, then that's what we keep feeding on. But we need to speak words of life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, from a fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is filled. So what that means is this, how we talk actually determines what we feed on, what we draw down on, what we allow to fuel us. And so as Christians, we need to start speaking words of life and words of victory and words of faith. So that means as a pastor in regional Queensland and central Queensland, you can't talk like a central Queenslander. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, I love regional Queens. And I love central Queens. They're most humble people uh, in the nation. Lovely people, friendly, warm, uh, you know, considerate and self-effacing, but also a pack of liars. And the reason why is because of the way we talk. You know, we start saying things like, and uh, my old pastor, Pastor Rob Booth Jones and Mackay, he used to hate this. He used to hate it when people would say the phrase, not too bad. You know, you'd go up to someone and say, how you doing, mate? And say, oh, not too bad. He used to hate it. And I started hating it as well because it's like, because it actually means you're bad. You're just not too bad. And I remember I was talking to a young man once in my youth group and I said to him, how you going, mate? He goes, oh, not too bad. I said, oh, you're bad. You're just not too bad. I said, what happened? Did someone die last night? You slept on the street. You didn't get a meal. You're not going to heaven. What is it? And he said, actually, now that I think about it, I'm doing pretty good. We need to start speaking words of love. If you start speaking words of negativity and unbelief, that's what you feed on. You don't feel any better by voicing those things. I mean, try it for a little while. Well, that's hopeless. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make you feel any better. Well, then you start speaking words of life and words of faith. You'll be amazed at what happens. As a pastor, we need to be able to control our words and control our confession. I heard of one well-known pastor in times when he was struggling. He would drive around in his car speaking excellent words. Wonderful, tremendous, fantastic, great. He'd start feeding on the words 
of His mouth. And as Christians and as leaders, we need to learn that we eat from the fruit of our mouth. And it doesn't mean lying. It just means having a healthy perspective. Instead of focusing on that one problem that's going on in your life right now, or that one issue that's robbing you of your joy, start focusing on the great things that God is doing. The 95% of life that is going great. I have a habit, and I've done it with some of you before. When people come up to, uh, come up to me, they say, Ben, how are you doing? And I'll say, can I be honest? And they'll lean in and they'll say, yes, you can be honest with me. And I'll say, to be honest, I'm doing awesome. And they look at you, they're like, you're not being real. Actually, I am being real. Life is pretty good. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I've got three meals a day, live live under shelter. I've got a lovely wife and three kids. Life is going pretty good. There are some parts of my life that aren't doing that great. Some parts of my ministry that aren't working out complete the way I want. But instead of spending my whole time focusing on that, I'm gonna start focusing on the good things that God is doing in my life. Speaking. Then the second thing he says is this, speaking to one another. So it's not just speaking in the air. It's speaking to one another. So he is saying there that we actually get filled and fueled up by having Christian fellowship. We, have, we get filled and fueled up by speaking to one another. As a pastor and as a leader, one of the greatest things we continually have to fight and not give into is actually isolation, is isolation. One of the things that God has blessed me with in the last six years is that very, because I've been on the road full time for six years, is that there are sometimes people invite me to their churches, sometimes independent Pentecostal, but sometimes even in our movement, who are completely isolated. They have no connection with anyone outside of themselves. And it's, and one of the great joys that I've been able to have is to go there and minister. But more than that, actually connect the pastor up with other pastors. Because I know that that's going to be a source of great joy and great strength and great life uh, for them. The amount of pastors, and I can speak freely here because we're family, the amount of pastors that I meet that forever dangling that whole threat of isolation, that somehow they're not going to come to district meetings anymore, that they're not going to be part and connect with other pastors, somehow thinking that they're going to benefit from that. When the reality is we don't, you will not benefit from that. We need to get around other people, other leaders and other pastors. It's a source of fuel and it's a source of joy. I know myself there are times for whatever reason tempted not to get together with other ministers. I remember last national conference that just happened uh, uh, last month and uh, I wasn't going to go and it wasn't because I was upset about anything. It was just simply because I'd been overseas for a few weeks. I'd just come back and then I didn't want to go away from home for a couple more days. And then, and, uh, and I thought, I know, you know, and I thought, well, I'll just save the money and not go. And then um, my wife was saying to me, she said, look, you should really go. And, you know, I was the one who'd left the first, you know, so she said, you really should go. And, and then I found out I had free hotel and free, uh, free, free accommodation and free um, registration. And I thought, oh, I've got no excuse, have I really? <laughs> and so I went along and I went there. But even getting together with other ministers, getting together with other friends from around the nation, connecting with them from when I left that thing, I just felt filled up and fueled again. And there wasn't anything wrong going on in my life, but we naturally deplete. And one of the ways we're supposed to be filled up is by getting to, speaking to one another. 
not just by ourselves. You know, and I know that we encourage our people to go to church, that if you're a Christian, you should go to church because it's a, it's a form of strength uh, for us. And we teach on that and we preach on that and we have a theology about it. You know, we don't like people who call themselves Christians and don't go to church, you know, and, and, I, and they somehow think Jesus likes it. You know, that Jesus is on their side. Have you ever heard people say that? They've said, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church and somehow think that Jesus is on their side, you know, without realising that some of the terms the Scripture uses to describe the church. I mean, the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. So to say that you love Jesus and not like His church would be like coming up to me and saying, Ben, you're awesome. Fantastic. You are a great guy. I really like it. You're great. Now, your wife... She's a bit of a cow. But you, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I think she is too. No, as much as I love you, I like her better. And the Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, the Bible also says that Christ is the head, the church is his body. Girls, how would this pickup line work on you? You, baby, have the most beautiful face I've ever seen in my life. When I wake up in the morning, if I feel discouraged, all I do is stalk your Facebook profile, get a picture of your face, and it makes me smile. When I'm having a bad day, all I need to do is think of your face, and everything is better. You have the most beautiful face I've ever seen in my life. But your body could do with a bit of work. <laughs> Some girls are like, I'll take him anyway. Um, <laughs> Christ is the head, church is body. He likes the church. And we encourage our people to fellowship. But we need to do the same thing as well. As pastors and leaders, we need fellowship. Um, I, you know, like I, I travel along across a lot of different movements. And there are some movements you actually can't stay in if you're too different from them. Our movement's not like that. You could be whatever you want. You could, you could name your church whatever you want. You can have certain philosophies of whatever you want and still become part of this family. There's no excuse and no reason to not to get together with other leaders and other pastors and other ministers. And I have seen some pastors get breakthrough in their life simply by stopping being isolated, by stopping hiding behind the excuse of being too busy, by stopping hiding behind the excuse that no one's like them. No one is like you. No one's like me. If you ever find a group that's only like you, you're gonna be by yourself. And it's not about being around people just like us. We need to be around uh, other family, other, other Christians, other leaders, other believers. And when we do that, we'll be filled by the Spirit of God. I know I'm yelling, but it feels good. And I wasn't supposed to harp on this point this morning, but I just feel to, and I know I'm preaching to the choir and the converted, but I'm here to let you know that if we want to live a life continually filled by the Spirit of God, we need to speak to one another. The next thing, uh, that he says is this. He says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing. I won't spend too long on this point because you all do it. But there's something about getting in the presence of God and singing and worshipping God. I know myself as a pastor and a leader, always encouraging other people to do it. But there are times I need to remind myself because we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We enter his courts with praise. 
And when we get into His presence, the Bible says there is fullness of joy. And so one of the things I have to remind myself is to praise God on a regular, um, you know, in a, as a regular habit. Even this morning as I was driving to the airport in my car, my iPod instantly lit up and I had, um, and had different songs just coming through. It was all on shuffle. And I had, you know, a couple of non-Christian songs, you know, glam rock from the 90s and that sort of stuff on there. And then, but then some praise and worship come on. And honestly, as the praise and worship came on and I started singing in there, the presence of God invaded my car. And I thought, you know what? I'm only just going to listen to praise and worship and worship God in this place. And as I did, I started drawing down on the presence of God. I've even learnt for myself to go to church on holidays. Because uh, when I was a pastor, I didn't actually, you know, I, I would often, you know, preach on my holidays when I'd go somewhere else. But I remember one time I was supposed to, uh, I, was, I had a Sunday off and I wasn't preaching anywhere. And at the time, our church was doing four Sundays, f- sorry, four um, services on a Sunday. And I thought, mate, I go to church more than most people. Surely I can have one Sunday off. And so the night before, I uh, was um, at home and um, I, my wife said, to, it was Saturday night, my wife came and saw me. She said, where are we going to go to church tomorrow? I said, I'm not going to church tomorrow. I said, I go to church four times on a Sunday. I said, I'm having a Sunday off. So this is what my Sunday is going to look like tomorrow. We're going to get up in the morning. I'm going to take the boys down to McDonald's. Then I'm going to come home. And then I'm going to watch the AFL football show. Then I'm going to watch the NRL football show. Then I'm going to watch the Sunday roast, watch the AFL and NRL. And I'm going to have a great day. And I said, so no, I'm not going to church. Anyway, I made the mistake of praying that night. So I prayed that night. And, the whole, and as I was, I was reading in Psalms, the Bible says, what can I render to the Lord for all these benefits that He has towards me? And there was only four that He really expects us to give back to Him. One is take up the cup of salvation. One is pay our vows before the Lord in the, um, and praise Him in the presence of His people, go to church. So I thought, I better go. And so I went to church, uh, and I, but I said to my wife, I went to bed, I said, we're going to go to church tomorrow. She said, see, told you. And I said, listen, but what we're going to do is this, we're going to go to the Gold Coast and then we're going to go to the beach afterwards. And she said, no worries. So we went down that, no, uh, that morning, uh, sorry, the next morning, went to church, walked in. As soon as we walked in, the praise and worship was on. As soon as I started praising and worshipping God, it felt like stuff was washing off me. It felt like stuff was lifting off me and I just started feeling a new strength and a new life reinvigorate me once again. And then afterwards we went to the beach and had a great day. I hadn't been to church for a whole Seven days. But there's something about praising God and being in the house of God where He can just fill us and give us the strength that we need. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The next one was this. Giving thanks always for all things. Giving thanks. So the next key to living a life that's continually drawing down on the Spirit of God is by giving thanks. Notice it doesn't say be thankful. It's more than an attitude. We actually have to verbalise it. Give thanks. There's something about giving thanks to God. The Bible says we enter His gates where His presence is with thanksgiving in our heart. We enter His courts with praise. So thanksgiving is something that helps us to access the presence of God, to draw down that life and strength. If you're a visionary leader, you will be very tempted to always think about the things that you need to do and always think about the things that need to be done. And there sometimes can become a dissatisfaction because the things that you want to have happen aren't happening right now. But what that can do is actually rob you of your joy and rob us of our strength. What we need to do is have times where we actively give thanks. 
when we start reminding ourselves of the things that God has done for us, to be thankful for all those things, and that will give us the strength that we need to continue on in the things that God has for our lives. A great friend of mine, Pastor Sanjay Stevenson, he's uh, planted a church in India in Mumbai, and he's doing great, but about 17 years ago or 18 years ago, he was going through a tough time in his ministry. And so one day he went down doing his devotions on a Monday morning, down at the Jindalee boat ramp. And he goes there and he starts walking around, trying to pray, but really he's more moaning and complaining. You know, why is this happening? You know, sometimes we focus on the sacrifices that we make and not focus on the good things that God is doing. And he said, Lord, you know, I've been doing this for you and it's not working and all this stuff. Why is all this stuff happening in my life? Felt the Holy Spirit say to him, why don't you thank me? And he said, oh, he goes, for what? And he felt the Holy Spirit say, just thank me. And so, He was so discouraged he couldn't verbalise it. So he just got a pen and paper out and he started writing down things he could be thankful for. Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. That's a pretty good start. Even on your worst day, you're still winning. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that some people do want to hear me preach. And he started listing all the things he could thank God for. As he was doing that, the heaviness lifted off him. It departed. The strength of God started dropping down into his heart. He put down the pen and paper and he started walking around. The heaviness had lifted. He was filled with life, joy and strength and started thanking God. All because he took the time to start verbalising the things that he could thank God for. My question is this, pastors, when was the last time you counted your blessings? Instead of focusing on the things that need to happen and you need to get done, take a little bit of time to thank God and remind yourself of where He brought you from. Remind yourself of the things that He's done in your life, the things that He's done through your ministry. And I promise you that when you do that, you'll be filled with life, hope and strength and the joy that you need to continue on doing the great things that God has called us to do. He says, giving thanks. Then the next thing He says is this. He says, giving thanks always for all things, To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's all continuous. That's all joined together. It's not like a new topic. He is talking about, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then he starts talking about family relationships. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't frustrate your children. He is actually talking about um, the relationships that we have in our family. Now, I told you before, he bases this on a Roman called an arms letter. The Romans had a worldview, which I think, um, you know, the YMCA have since stolen. And the worldview is this, strong families equal a strong state. And the Apostle Paul says that for the kingdom of God to advance, strong families equal a strong church. That's what he's saying there. And so what he's saying is this, if we are not, if our family life is out of line, out of alignment, then it's almost like it cuts off the flow of the Spirit of God. Who knows that you can go to church, praise God, be thankful, have a positive confession, but if things are out of whack at home, it just cuts off all the joy. It's a bit like when you're wanting to water a garden or the lawn and not when you don't have water restrictions. And, and, so, and you're doing that and then all of a sudden, you realise that the water stops flowing. It's like, why does it stop flowing? Well, there's a kink in the hose. So what do you do? Well, you don't just keep ploughing on and yanking it. You go back, straighten it out, and then it starts flowing again. 
The Apostle Paul is saying that in order for the Spirit of God to fill us with everything that we need in this life, one of the things that helps is having our family life in order. Who knows that as ministers, one of the number one things the devil tries to attack is our family life. It's our marriages, it's our children, all those sorts of things. Why? Because he's got a stronger theology than some people. And he realises if that stuff is out of line, it can rob us as leaders of the strength and joy that we could have in order to fulfil the call and the destiny that God has for our lives. I want to show you a couple of photos. Jeff, can we show the first one, mate? If that's all right. It was in a dark room. No good? Okay. I'll give you the picture of the photo. The picture of the photo uh, is like a glamour shot of me and my wife and my three sons. And uh, you would look at it and think, mate, that family looks perfect. That family would have no problems. Well, let me tell you, that is not always the case. About 15 years ago, my wife and I were bickering constantly all the time. And it got to the point, we'd only been married a couple of years. And it got to the point that in the middle of the night, one night, she gets up and she starts packing her bags. Now, we're living in Mackay at the time. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to mum's. I said, your mum lives in Cairns. She goes, and I said, why are you leaving? And she goes, because you're an idiot. As soon as she said that, I knew there was a kink in my hose. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, I might as well not rock up to work tomorrow <laughs> if she gets on that train. So I thought, I begged her forgiveness, repented. We straightened things out. And then 15 years later, we've been flowing ever since. My sons, if you look at them, they look like perfect angels. Like that nothing they could do, no wrong. Well, let me tell you, that is not always the case. One of my boys, Joshy, he used to lie all the time. And he used to lie when he was really little, even before, when he was two years of age. He'd, wait, he'd say to us, how, he goes, Mummy, Daddy, I'm scared of the dark. But we started finding evidence of him walking around the house, raiding the fridge at night. So we thought he couldn't possibly be scared of the dark. I remember one, in the middle of the night, one time he comes to us and he, and, and he says, Oh, Mummy, Daddy, I wet the bed. And yeah, he wet the bed, all right. The popper that he had exploded in bed that he stole from the fridge. There was another time my mum and dad were up from Melbourne staying with us and my dad's a bad snorer so she kicked, she, my mum kicked him out and he was sleeping on a futon in the dining room. And so when, and in the middle of the night he reckons the lights come on at 2am. He sees the fridge door open and little two-year-old Joshy pops his head out and says, it's okay, Grandpa, go back to sleep. <laughs> Lawyer. I remember... A few years ago, probably about six years ago, we were having trouble with my boys. I thought, oh, that, that's the second one. To keep that up there, that's the second one. But yeah, you see my boys in there. And uh, we were having trouble with them. And uh, we said, look, you know, we've got to ch-. my wife and I sat down. We looked at each other and we were nearly, we were crying. We said, we've got to change the way we parent them. It's not working. And so God gave us wisdom because he's on our side. And literally within a week, their behaviour radically changed. 
and we found on one of the keys. Now, have they been perfect ever since? Absolutely not. But we straightened something out. That week, I got a phone call from a church in Australia, one of the largest churches in Australia, that God had told me that I was going to preach at one day. They had invited me a number of times, but we, never, we could never work out. And then they rang me that week, and we were able to sort something out. I ended up preaching there for 12 times, and it was one of the greatest blessings to my ministry in that period of time. What had happened? I straightened out something at home, and then God released more territory to me. That fa- Oh, that was, yeah, that's that. Fa- Look at those kids. You know, perfect. Uh, Jeff, the next, you know the one you had on before? If we could get that one back up. That one's of my mum and dad. My, my dad's Tong and my mum's an Aussie. And uh, look at my dad. He's got two grandsons sitting down there, one white and one chocolate. You know, it's just hilarious. And, uh, and uh, my mum and dad um, met. My dad got a, his Tong and he got a scholarship to, go, to come to Australia to study at Monash University from Tonga. And so he met my mum while I was here. They started going out. They started courting. Um, they should have got married, but my dad was just so hesitant because he was worried about what the family back home would think. He was worried they would try to intervene and stop it. So they courted longer than they should and cut a long story short, they found out that they were going to have me. And so my dad thought, you know what? We just got to... He goes, no, I'm going to make this right. Uh, He said, we're going to get married because he knows that the scripture says, wives submit to your husbands. It doesn't say partner, submit to your partner. Amen. So, and so they got married. Apparently on the wedding day, after the wedding, my dad disappeared for two hours. No one knew where he was. I spoke to him a number of years ago about that. I said, where'd you go? And he goes, I went to a place all by myself. And he said, I, I, I needed to, you know, and I made my peace with God. He said, I said, Lord, he said, Lord, I never thought I'd walk away from you. I've been conducting things the wrong way. But I'm straightening this out and I'll never walk away from you again. And from this day forward, they're still together, married 40-something years, nearly 50 years, and doing great. Um, top right-hand corner is my sister. Her name's Anna. She's a really good singer. Uh, she used to be the lead singer of a group in Australia. About 15 years ago, had a top five single in Australia. And, um, and she got saved a couple of years after that. And so what she does now is she um, does a thing in Melbourne at pubs around Melbourne on a Sunday afternoon called Gospel Sundays. She does it as an outreach. So she does gospel music in these pubs and lots of famous musicians, worship leaders uh, and um, actors and that actually come to listen to her uh, perform. And um, she had, um, in fact, she got invited by one famous actor. The famous actor was getting married and it was going to be a woman's day wedding. So it's going to be top secret and that sort of thing in a secret location. And, and they said to her, listen, would you and your band come and perform at our wedding? And my sister said, listen, we only do gospel music. And the, and the person said, oh, that's fine. Just do your gospel music. So she came and kind of did gospel mu- gospel, a big gospel music set uh, like as a testimony in front of all these kind of A and B grade Australian celebrities and that sort of thing. So I guess you could say with my sister, um, she's somewhat of a territory taker. I think you could say somewhat with uh, what myself and my wife do. We're kind of territory takers. And it all happened after mum and dad straightened things out. You didn't see this coming today, huh? I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Uh, I've never shared this. Um, when I went as an itinerant minister, the Holy Spirit said to me, like out of Elisha, the prophet Elisha, when he would go to Shunem, they made a space for him to stay there whenever he wanted. 
and the, and and then the Holy Spirit said that he is going to and and then Elisha, the woman that he stayed with, they actually had a child, which was miraculous as a result of that. And then later he raised the child from the dead. For the Holy Spirit say to me that of all the places and regions and churches that actually make a place for me and my ministry, where there's a habitation where I can freely come and freely go, that for those places that miracle is going to be released in their families. That some children that they have that have gone away from the Lord and they look spiritually dead, there's a grace and God is going to release them and bring them back to life. And I felt the Holy Spirit say that for this region and the pastors and the leaders here, that God is releasing a grace for you and for your wife and for your children or for your husband and children, that there's going to be a grace released and he's going to start bringing them back to life spiritually and it's going to be a source of such great joy that you have never experienced the flow of the Spirit of God like it in your entire life. Amen? That's why I said I felt this message was prophetic today because I felt God was releasing that. And so what I want to do is this. Just briefly, um, I, want to, I want people who are saying, you know what, Ben, two things. Number one, there's something I need to straighten out. You know there's something between you and your spouse or kids or whatever, you need to straighten something out. Um, maybe as well you're here and you're not married and you don't have children. And you're saying, well, what's this got to do with me? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, you may have parents that you are disenfranchised from. The Bible says if we honour our father and mother, all will go well with us. And for some of you, maybe you need to change the way you work with your own parents, whatever it is. Maybe you've got something to straighten out. But secondly, and I've never done this anywhere, but secondly, I felt the Holy Spirit say that if you are here and if you have children that are away from the Lord, that are spiritually, look spiritually dead, then I want to pray as well. And we're going to believe that just like Elisha was able to raise the woman of Shunem's child back to life, that, he's going to, that God is going to raise yours back to life as well. Amen? So just close your eyes for a moment. And if you're here and you're saying, Ben, there's something I need to straighten out. I've got to straighten out something at home. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need to straighten something out. You can put your hand up nice and high. It's a breakthrough day for you. There's just a, there's a kink in your hose, cutting off the circulation. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Secondly, if you're here and you have children away from the Lord, that have rejected the house of God. If that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. I want him to come back. I want to be back to life. If you put your hand up for one or both of those things, right where you are, could you just stand to your feet right where you are? Lift your hands to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all these people who are standing and I ask and pray for two things. Number one, I ask and pray that you open to straighten out what's been made crooked. Lord, for some, it's not just one kink. It's like the whole hose is all twisted. But Lord, I know that if they straighten out what they can, it's going to unlock other kinks in that hose. And I pray for that, Father, right now in Jesus' name. I also pray for those that have children away from you, Lord God, that were raised in the house of God and walked away from it. In the name of Jesus, I call them back to life. And I call them back to you, Lord God. You promised me that this was going to be on this place. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for every person here with children away from you, we call them forth right now. They'll come back into the Kingdom of God, come back into the house of God to be used mightily by you. I thank you and I praise you for it, Father. I pray may it be a great source of strength and joy for, their life, for the lives of these people here. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Praise God.
Let's have a two-minute break and we'll come back. And also, is it possible at all for me to have a whiteboard? Yes. Is it possible? I knew it would be. You guys are amazing. So uh, talk to yourselves, toilet break, two-minute break, and then we'll get back in the next session. <laughs>